You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. Joe Gravalis back with the Safe Senior Hour. I hope all is well. Remember, we start out our 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 uh, show every time with the uh, advice: elder abuse does not report itself, and that's very important as we talk about abuse situations. Again, the uh, Safe Senior Hour stands for seniors uh, abuse and financially exploited. And, uh, and issues dealing with seniors. And again, we look at abuse in three areas, one being physical abuse, the other being financial abuse, and the third being institutional abuse. Uh, financial abuse is by far the, the, the biggest abuse that happens to our seniors. Again, we're such a growing population, it, uh, it's, it's really significant. Again, if you have any comments or uh, requests that you'd like us to talk about, please uh, email us at safe at americaswebradio.com uh, and we'll get to them. And uh, again, we've been very fortunate. We have given, um, uh, been asked to speak at various locations, both in Georgia and outside of the state and other states. And I know we'll be going to Tennessee. Uh, and we're going to South Carolina, and we'll be addressing some of these issues. Uh, so if you have any requests or, um, or suggestions of how we can help educate seniors and their loved ones on, on the abuses that are taking place, how to report them, and, and who they can talk to, please feel free to email us, and uh, we'd love to come listen to your comments. And if things can work out, come and actually uh, uh, do a presentation in your area. Today, for the first part of our show today, we're going to be talking, get an update on on fraud and abuse situations to keep you all aware of new scams that might be going on. And then in our uh, second, third, and fourth, we're going to have a guest, uh, uh, Doug Leader, who uh, represent representing Aging in Place Council that will be on and uh, we'll be talking about some new developments and suggestions and ideas that you all can think how to help protect and care for your loved ones. Uh, as we want to update now on the new frauds, uh, thanks to uh, the, the Baker Fraud Report, and I keep uh, pushing that because it's a wonderful report. Uh, you can look at that, just Google Baker Fraud Report. <clears throat> the latest one they is a uh, hey they have a comment about a new fraud that's taking place that uh, is very significant. It's called the one ring phone scam. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Consumer Federation of America warns that one ring phone calls um, where they hope you'll call back and then your phone will be billed will be charged for calling. An international number, and even though a caller ID may show a local number, it's an interesting scam. They estimate over a uh, hundred million one-ring phone scam attempts have taken place so far this year, and I've had them where all of a sudden the phone will ring, and then all of a sudden go away, and you look at it, and there'll be some number, and and again, their idea is to get you to call back that number 
and keep you on the phone because it is just be billing at such a high rate. And if anybody calls overseas and doesn't have a calling plan, you know the cost of calling overseas calls. And then that is paid directly to them because they will go to uh, the, the your you will be billed at that rate, and they will already been paid. It's a it's a very intriguing scam. So here's some suggestions here uh, that the uh, <coughs> uh, that are made to help uh, prevent you from being caught up in the scam. Number one, don't answer return phone calls from numbers you don't recognize. I know we say that on the show all the time, but if you don't know the number. Listen to the message, and then you can call them back if you know the person or you think it's it's a serious call. And if you don't recognize it, as I said, let the call go to your voicemail. They will always leave a message. Two, don't trust caller ID. Now, it's hard to say because we relied on that for a long time. But scammers know how to spoof, and that's what the term is called, spoof, S-P-O-O-F, your call ID, so peers are calling from your neighborhood. Uh, many scammers strategically locate their operations in country like the Bahamas that have an international calling code like, quote, as an example, 242, which may appear to be American. So just don't trust that. If you think you want to call, you independently research the number that is calling if you have questions about it. Block outgoing international phone calls. If you do not regularly make international phone calls, consider asking your telephone company to block outgoing international calls on your line. You can always get it unblocked if you have to if your if your calling pattern changed. And as as they do, and and I have to say, I'm not really I, I don't do this, and I should, but everybody out there should closely monitor your phone bill for surprise charges. If you spot a suspicious charge, contact your phone company immediately to dispute it. This will not only potentially save you money, but also will help you help your provider uh, spot fraud and protect customers uh, in the future. Um, and uh, if you've if you've been a victim of the phone's a call, there's a uh, please report it to your local authorities. When I say victim, not that somebody attempted necessarily, but you've actually looked at your phone bill and you've been charged. And some of these some of these charges are like two, three hundred dollars. We're not talking like you know forty five cents or or five dollars. It's a significant amount. So that is one of the latest uh, uh, scams that's going on. The we have another scam that is uh, uh, it's called the grant scam where people will call you and say that uh, you're eligible for some federal grant. They will uh, attempt to uh, get information from you uh, because they'll say, all you got to do is fill out these forms and the government will send you and give you money free. Well, there's no such free, no, I, nothing's free in this world, remember that. So be very careful of somebody who calls you and they call that the grant scam. The other scam that's really taking on and it's got two twists to it is the uh, scam where uh, people call and say they that you you are eligible under your Medicare uh, or Medicaid um, coverage 
to have your genealogy done, to find out what is uh, happening to you. And, and, and here's two, two forms of the scam. One, in one city here in the southeast, they actually are knocking on doors. People are dressed in hospital garb, you know, the, the, those suits, come to your door and say you've been selected. And it's usually in, in, in housing areas where seniors live. Um, to uh, and ask you, you're on, are you on Medicare or, or Medicaid? And and the people will say yes. And they'll say, well, this will be covered, and they'll give you a swab, and you swab the inside of your cheeks, and they put it in a plastic bag, and um, and then they ask you to, for all your information concerning Medicare and your identification, so no, so they can't be scammed. So you just give it over to somebody who just knocked on your door without you inviting them, all your basic information. And this is sad because, uh, it, and when I say it happened once, I was at a, a, a law enforcement meeting, and I think they just made 18 arrests on this, and they're getting calls every day of people coming in. There is... They don't go and 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 send it send your swabs in for your DNA testing. They just want your information so they can sell it on the on the black market. A spinoff of that scam that we saw in up in more rural areas is a telephone scam where people claim they are calling. Uh, they reviewed your Medicare file and our Medicaid file and that you have the ability to have a DNA testing to determine uh, what risk you are for health. All you've got to do is, is, uh, is give, they, they ask you to get more information about yourself and say this is, a since you're in the rural area, nobody can come to your house, that we'll have to uh, mail you the swab kit, but that'll cost, in this case, I think it was uh, $800 dollars, uh, and you can pay that uh, by the infamous uh, Green Dot cards, iTunes cards, and before they can send the swabs, they'll call you and say, what's the number on the back of the card or cards, and that's how the scam. You'll never get the uh, swab. So be, be leery, talk to law enforcement, try to, try to be more prudent in what you do. Two cases that are of interest that I saw uh, uh, that 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 you might um, uh, be of interest to you all, all around the, the country and the world. We talk about senior citizens or anybody who who lives alone, who um, who has a an accident or something um, happens to them where they fall and and literally can't get up. Uh, there was a case in, in Arlington, Virginia, where a gentleman, an elderly gentleman, uh, was rescued when an attentive mail carrier, neighbors and uh, by neighbor by a mail carrier who saw the mail piling up in the mailbox, hadn't seen the gentleman. Well, apparently the gentleman had fallen and caused an, caused a major injury to his hip or some part of his body. He couldn't walk. He couldn't get up. And the article says he survived. Uh, this happened in his kitchen. He survived for five days by drinking Coca-Cola that he could reach, uh, according to what he said. You know, um, said the mail carrier is the first one to notice it. So your neighbors and your mail carriers are hats off to the mail carriers. 
Uh, and it's always nice to meet your mail carrier and know them. They're, they're good people and they're very observant. And and this certainly helped him because if it wasn't for the mail carrier uh, questioning it, um, uh, he, he uh, contacted law enforcement who did a welfare check. And remember, we talk about all the time. Try to set up some system to your neighbors and check. And the, and the police, if, you are, if it's suspicious that you need a welfare check for some reason, always call your law enforcement, uh, and they will be more than happy, pending on the cases that they're working on, to do a welfare check. Because nobody wants anybody sitting in their home, especially for, like this case, five days. And again, I think you've heard me tell the story about a husband and wife, and the husband went down to work in the garden and way down in the back of the lot. The the uh, the wife was working in the house, and he fell and he broke his hip and he couldn't yell. He couldn't. He tried yelling. Nobody would hear him because they had like an acre, and she dismissed him. She was doing her work, and finally, after two or three hours, she wanted to know where her husband was. Didn't see him, and went down there, and there he was laying down there on his. Uh, um, on 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 the ground uh, trying to get help. So uh, try to work something out. Talk to your neighbors. And the last case uh, is a is a is a horrible case that we will talk when uh, when Doug Leader comes on about a case in a uh, assisted living home that took place here. A lawsuit was just filed, and we'll go over that as we end the first session of the Safe Senior Hour. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Uh, welcome back. Uh, Joe Gavallis with the Safe Senior Hour. Um, we're going to be talking uh, um, during this segment with Doug Leader, who uh, is the owner of Prosper Home Care, and he's the advocacy chair for both the Georgia Gerontology Society and the American chapter of the National Aging in Place Council. Doug is uh, um, um, is, is well known in the industry for being an, an advocate 
and I've had the pleasure of knowing Doug um, for several years now. And when you find people who are uh, really interested in helping out um, uh, seniors and taking care of them, and uh, we're, we're just honored to have him. Uh, so I think it's a uh, uh, it it'll, it'll, it'll be good um, for him to um, uh, to hear his his issue with uh, um, concerning seniors. Doug, are you on? I am. Well, welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, I just I just gave your uh, your your quick background to our listeners um, all over the United States and the world. Um, and uh, glad to have you. And uh, uh, we're just about to talk about a matter that I know you and I have had a, a, a big interest in, and that is uh, backgrounds for for people uh, working in your industry. Uh, Absolutely. The uh, a case that was just filed here in Georgia, uh, and it was a it talks about a worker at a senior care facility used a lit cigarette to burn a woman with dementia on her face and other areas of her bodies, according to the lawsuit. Now remember, all these have to be adjudicated, but the lawsuit also claims the facility initially misled the victim's son about how the woman was injured and and the family later learned the abusive caregiver is a convicted felon who was legally barred from being hired to work in a care home. And this is exactly what you and I have talked about on many occasions here. So um, I, I know you uh, today uh, hopefully will go in as, as your representative of the uh, Atlanta chapter of the National Aging in Place Council. Um, just give us your idea what you see in the industry about the need for these backgrounds. Well, gosh, it's, it's so imperative, um, you know, and I appreciate the intro that you gave me and, and appreciate all that you do every day to protect the, the seniors and, and the disabled individuals out right. there that True. so badly need this care but are, are so vulnerable. Uh, to have people going into homes or or in facilities that are taking care of of the elderly and the disabled is is so important and to to do the background checks and vetting of of every sort to make sure these folks are are safe to be alone with these vulnerable individuals is imperative and and really it's a law so this this facility clearly weren't following the rules and regulations uh, that they should have before bringing this person into their facility. That person never should have been allowed to have been hired or to be alone with, with someone, you know, to do such an egregious thing that they did. Right. So, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say, so it, so we spend a lot of time and a lot of money trying to vet all of our caregivers to make sure that they are, you know, as safe uh, as they can be. Right. And, 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 I, and, and in this particular case, it's even more outrageous. Um, if this is true, what the lawsuit alleges, uh, that this worker, um, well, the lawsuit alleges the facility didn't run a background check on on this uh, caregiver as required by state law, and had this person had prior convictions for aggravated assault, family violence, cruelty to children, terroristic threats, and possession of a knife during the commission of a felony. Uh, and that was in 2013, and was convicted in 2016, and and also had an arrest 
charge uh, concerning with drugs, um, and and uh, and would shock me, and I'm sure it would be you, Doug, that that this was a, a caregiver at the manor uh, was not the first sign of trouble that the facility had fired her after an earlier misconduct case involving resident neglect, but the fa- facility rehired her. Uh, you know, um, and again, I, this is more the exception than the rule in this industry, don't you think? Oh, well, thank goodness, yes, um, because there's obviously lots of providers in all the different segments of, of elder care that, that go above and beyond and deliver, you know, safe, quality care to, to those folks every day. Um, but, you know, this was, this was obviously uh, a bad situation and protocol was not followed. Yeah. What is the protocol for you? Let's say, I don't know, how many employees do you have um, in, in, with, that, that work with you in Prosper Care? Well, uh, Prosper Home Care currently mm-hmm. has about 320 employees, both in the greater Atlanta area and in the Augusta, Georgia area. Uh, and, and we go through uh, a whole list of, of pre-employment protocols, including not just doing a national criminal background check, uh, but in the state of Georgia, the counties uh, don't all electronically reciprocate their criminal information uh, to the national database, uh, or and it doesn't get there as quickly as it should, so it's really imperative to also do county criminal background checks, drug tests, you know, driver's history checks, uh, employment references, etc., to get the best uh, information you can on these individuals before hiring them. I, I, I my hats off to you and to all you uh, and all the people that have companies like yours. Just tell us the 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 the, the listeners um, what your company does and how common is this around the uh, you know around the country here. Sure, gosh, around the country and around the world, as, as you mentioned. Earlier. Right. Uh, as a licensed home care provider, my goal. Uh, and my mission, more than anything else, is to help the elderly and disabled people age in the place they call home as long as it's a safe and healthy, affordable option for them. We do this by providing caregivers uh, who are supervised and trained by registered nurses and licensed practitioner nurses to help out with everything from personal care, like daily hygiene, bathing, dressing, toileting, uh, to to meal preparation and medication reminders, exercise assistance, companionship, you know, playing games, going for walks, you know, providing that mental and physical stimulation that's needed to keep folks happy and healthy. Now, are they paid uh, to, to get your services? Are they, is, does the government in any way help supplement payment of these costs or this individual money out of the pocket of the, of the, of the seniors or their loved ones? It's, it's both. In fact, we are uh, a licensed Medicaid provider. Medicare uh, pays for aid assistance in a limited fashion, usually if it's accompanied with skilled nursing. If right. someone's getting wound care or, or occupational therapy or something along those lines, physical therapy, then uh, an aid may also be assigned and reimbursed by Medicare, but it's a very limited amount of time that the aid will be there just to perform a specific task. Whereas for our services where we come in for extended hours, uh, long-term care insurance policies uh, usually will cover our costs. Medicaid in the state of Georgia has different waiver programs. So there's a, an application process for individuals that may qualify 
but they do in, they do indeed reimburse us for care. Uh, there are some veterans benefits through the Veterans Administration. Mm. I, I definitely uh, would recommend anybody who may need some extra assistance to check into the Veterans Aid and Attendance Program wow. because it, it does uh, reimburse seniors for things that uh, may not be covered through other means. Uh, and then, of course, private pay. So we have a large number of people who luckily have the financial wherewithal that they're not on Medicaid uh, that can pay for services out of pocket. L- let me ask you, and again, I know I know you're you're, you're an advocate, but you're you're also very active in the uh, uh, national aging in place. Uh, what's your understanding? And 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 I know talking to seniors. Listen, we all much we we'd rather be at home than be in some institution, whether it be a personal care home, assisted living, or a nursing home. Is there a, any um, uh, have, you, have you heard any any like statistics or any any uh, you want to make a comment on that? What you what you've seen, what you experienced that home is is almost always better than an institution. Sure. Well, and there's different studies out there, but if you if you look up whether it's uh, the AAA or or through different you know medical associations, right. it's usually upwards of ninety plus percent of people when asked. Uh, where they want to, you know, live out their final years, it's at home. You know, most people do want to stay at home. And, and studies also show that the outcomes tend to be better. Not only is it more affordable for, for individuals and for governments or insurance companies to keep people at home in most situations, but, uh, but the outcomes, you know, tend to be better. You know, people, uh, I think people who have the right care at home uh, can do so in many cases more successfully than if they were in a facility. Well, I they're at home, and 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 obviously the older we get, the more uh, dependent we all get uh, dealing with the medical community. Are do you interact with the with the physicians, or how do you interact with them uh, in at home caring for um, for for seniors or at the disabled? When, when we first start care for an individual, whether it's through Medicaid or private pay or long-term care, one of the very first steps is that we send out a registered nurse to do an assessment. Uh, and that's so we've had our professionals' eyes and ears with this person, and we document not only, you know, uh, all of their diagnoses, but their medications and, and, and also the, the tasks that they need to, to have a good quality quality of life there at home. But in the paperwork, we also get permission and ask who their physician contacts are. Uh, And when reports come in, we frequently are in contact with their physicians as well as their loved ones to keep everybody in the loop. So we do get permission through signed documents, uh, unless the client has asked us not to, that we do indeed communicate with their medical professionals. So it's like the total package then, since you're, you're this the concept of home health care, which by the way is very very uh, popular. I know throughout the United States, it's it's always been the issue is to get quality home health care, and it sounds like in your particular case with the backgrounds, and are you are you uh, uh, are you licensed and and overseen by the uh, by the state or? We are the the home care providers licenses are are 
assigned by the Georgia Department of Community Health. Okay. So that's where that's where anyone that would like to start a home care agency has to go through and has to be approved. And then once approved, they're also uh, there for oversight. So they, they come in uh, sometimes announced but frequently unannounced to come in and, and audit us and make sure that our, our paperwork and our practices are all being well, followed correctly. Well, I, I, I appreciate that insight, and I'm sure that goes around other states and other countries of the world. They have the same thing. Well, with that, we're going to end our second session of the Safe Senior Hour when we come back uh, with Doug Leader, and we're going to be talking about some uh, type of abuses that he has seen in his uh, experience uh, in, in uh, working in the healthcare industry. With that, we'll uh, move on, uh, wait for our break, and then move on to our third session. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby, the first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind, Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. To uh, segment three of the Safe Senior Hour. Uh, remember, elder abuse does not report itself. You need to report it to professionals in your area. Um, and again, that is uh, physical, financial, and institutional abuse. Uh, today, we're very thankful we have a guest, uh, Doug Leader, who's the owner of Prosper Home Healthcare and the advocacy chair for both the Georgia Gerontology Society and the Atlanta chapter of National Aging in Place Council. And again, uh, thanks for coming on, Doug, and thanks for your insights on on basically the reason to have uh, aging in place. And, and I was shocked to hear that the survey show roughly 90% plus people would rather stay at home. And I, I mean, I, I guess looking at it, I guess I would too. Everybody should do that. But that's a, you know, when you get in the 90s, that's a high percentile. Um, so I think it's a, it, it's, it's great what you do and your industry does and the association. Um, 
um, the council of trying to promote this. Uh, wow, wow, are you on? Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, uh, Doug. As we talk about, can you explain more about the agent, the council, um, what it does, and what it does, you know, nationwide? I think you, you I, I know you're nationwide. Uh, what, what do you all do? Sure. Um, the National Aging in Place Council is it has a goal of trying to make aging in place a viable option to all seniors and disabled individuals. Uh, and we do this through education and advocacy. Uh, the better educated folks are and the, and the more laws and regulations and policies we can have to support individuals, the better uh, our, our chances are of letting these people age in the place that they call home. And, and I looked at your website, and if you could say, what is the, uh, what is the Aging in Place website? Do you, uh, um, uh, it's, uh, let me see, I think I have it right here. Aginginplace.org. Right. And it will show that it is that you have chapters all over the country. And I know in the Atlanta chapter, you can go on and you can see uh, suppliers or people involved um, uh, with the aging in place at home, uh, is is that uh, is that correct? It is correct. So anyone that goes to ageinplace.org is going to be able to not only read the mission and the purpose of of the National Aging in Place Council, but they can go into the uh, local areas that we have chapters and find vetted providers from all the different walks of senior care, from home accessibility to facilities to home care to elder care attorneys, etc., social workers. Everybody is there and has been well vetted uh, before they would ever be listed you know, on our site as, as one of our preferred providers. I, I, I have been fortunate enough to speak at, at one of the council meetings here in Atlanta, and I was impressed with the variety you have of of people of uh, who attend, and these are people who not only it's their business, but they're committed to help the elderly or the disabled uh, live a better life. And and I was uh, kind of interesting to note. Not only are there company like yours, but I, there was somebody who was dealing with the mobility issues of like elevators or movable stairs, and you know that's really important for some people. Sometimes that's the only difference between staying at home or not is the is the mobility uh, I, I'm sure there are other examples that of, uh, of of type of businesses that 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 people can do to help uh, seniors at home no but you make a great point you, making their home accessible is so important uh, to aging in place and and I should mention that at the agingplace.org website there's a, a tool called the ACT-3 tool, and it's an assessment that anyone who's interested in aging in place or, or trying to assist a, a friend or loved one to age in place should fill out this survey because it, 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 makes, uh, it makes it more clear the areas that a person may be well prepared to age in place with, but it, it definitely points out the areas that they may not. Uh, and just transportation for one, that's a huge one. Do you have the ability to get out? to get groceries, to, to continue to be social with, with, your, uh, with your friends and loved ones because isolation and loneliness uh, is, is a major 
factor that that uh, plagued a lot of the seniors and disabled. It's it's very unhealthy. I think that's so great. You want to look at all those walks. Well, great, and I think it's great. Could you repeat that uh, that uh, website again, where they can go, where where people listeners can go? Certainly, ageinplace.org. That's it's pretty simple, and look at it. And I I remember seeing the survey when I looked at it, and. And this helps, and and I know um, there there are many issues that that affect seniors who who uh, who want to age in place at home, and I know in um, in our area they have they call them laboratories, in the, basically they're showrooms showing. I know the uh, AAA and um, which is the what area administrator on aging has set up a room in, in, in our northwest part of our state and then one of the local counties. And they'll have over a 100 items that that are, might be little things, but that will help uh, help seniors uh, live a better life and be able to live at home. I, I, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? I am, I am. And those devices are so important. Everything from... You know, devices that help people open jars right. or to, right. to making sure they don't slip and fall. I mean, those are the, the some of the ones that seem most obvious, you know, but, but those those devices can really make a difference in one's ability to stay at home. It, it, it does, and, and, and again, you know, I, I, that 90% plus study re- really hits home to me. As, as we spoke to the... Um, uh, to, to the, our listeners out there throughout the United States and the world here, um, that we're going to talk to you here of some <coughs> elder abuse type matters that you've run into uh, since you've been working in the in the healthcare industry. Do you got some examples you can think of for us? Oh gosh, uh, you know, there's the one that really sticks out in my mind most uh, is one of the reasons I'm in this business uh, in the first place. My younger brother Dan. Uh, was unfortunately in a car accident uh, on 9 11, 1987, of all dates. And it left him a C5, C6 quad from, you know, the chest down. He, you know, he wasn't able to move. Mm. And although he had lots and lots of wonderful caregivers, there was stories of, of you know, Dan having things taken from him and, and not being treated well. So that was really what started the fire burning uh, for me to, to try to do a better job. And even after... Um, even after getting in the business, I had an example of a, a caregiver that uh, basically with, with a hidden camera, I determined that they were stealing money from, from one of my clients. Uh, and when I took that video to the police department, uh, I thought for sure there would be a conviction, so it would show up on a background check, so this individual would never be allowed in the home care or health care industry again. But lo and behold, this person got out on the first uh, offenders act. Which, which I was unaware of. It was kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card. And so that's what started my passion in advocacy. And, and with the help of, of legislators, we, we got the First Offenders Act amended so that could no longer happen. But that one, that one definitely sticks out in my mind. Well, I, 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 I think that, that, that you and I have, have been trying to educate. And, again, that's what we do. Our, our, we're educators more than anything, but... The need to have a uh, an abuser uh, registry, like they have in dealing with with a child abuse registries, um, would really help. Because if people go to hire people throughout, 
throughout the country or throughout the world, you want to make sure you're hiring somebody that when you walk away and you're leaving them, uh, your loved one with them, or you're inviting them into your house, that you're not, you know, inviting somebody that's already been a, had a record of, of misuse or financial abuse or physical abuse and in the house because nobody's there. And, and, and I think I, I applaud you, uh, Doug, because I know you and I have talked um, about this. And for the, uh, the people in the state of Tennessee, I think that registry is just a great example of what can be done. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Oh, I agree 100%. Uh, and and it's, it's not an easy task to set one of these up, and I, I have faith that Georgia will eventually be able to follow in, in Tennessee's footsteps and other states that are doing a good job. And one of the things that I find, out, uh, find most valuable is that these abusers' registries will also hold substantiated cases of abuse, uh, you know, because there's so many of these cases that don't always get uh, in, in the court of law and get adjudicated, which is unfortunate. True. But but these substantiated cases can also help keep some of those uh, bad eggs out of out of the uh, workforce for us. And I'd also like to comment sure. on what you said about the, the other abuser registries. It's frustrating that they're so siloed. You know, there's a child abuser's registry, there's a sexual abuser's registry, and there needs to be a national elder abuser's registry, but I'm a big believer in why are they all in separate silos? Abusers are abusers. They're all losers. I want everybody to, to help say that to their legislators because there should really be one place that employers could go because, heck, I don't want to hire a pet abuser, more or less a child abuser or a sexual right. abuser. That's not the individuals that need to be working with these vulnerable individuals uh, that we take care of. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and and I, I believe the abuser registry in Tennessee, and I think they've set one up in Kentucky. I think there's one in Delaware. I could go on. I just forgot how many there were, but there are different forms of it. But my understanding of the gold standard is, uh, uh, is Tennessee. Georgia has initiated uh, through a kind of a pilot program to kind of tie everything in through a fingerprinting uh, a situation, kind of like if you're a stockbroker, whatever it is, you got to be fingerprinted. Well, there's there's there's, there's laws they're trying to pass like that, and then they be able to uh, to follow up and see. Well, if you passed it today, doesn't mean like two years from now you're not going to commit a, a crime or, or or that that would affect your status and be able to work in a um, uh, a, a regulated uh, institution. Uh, the the registry in Tennessee, which I like, and, and and get your comments, Doug, is a citizen who wants to just take care of his mother or his father can just go on there and look and say, I'm going to hire, you know, uh, uh, Charlie, uh, uh, you know, Smith or, you know, something like that from xyz area and that'll tell you whether there's anything about charlie smith from you know you know whatever xyz tennessee and 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 i think that's a good policy don't you oh for sure uh and and i do hope we get there in georgia like i said as you mentioned georgia's making great strides and getting 
the fingerprinting database and, and a more robust uh, abusers registry uh, enacted and in place, but having the ability for anyone to, you know, the, the regular citizen out there to have a place to go to make sure that the person that's applying to be a private caregiver, not through an agency that's required right. to do all the, the vetting and background checks, to see if they happen to be uh, listed. No, it's, it's, it's super valuable. Right, and 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 if you can take the uh, the time to, as a citizen, you can go on databases and you can try to run it, or by by um, going to a licensed agency, knowing that they have to have the backgrounds done on the individuals again before they're allowed into their homes. And I think that's a that is a big a a a, a big burden, and and it's removed when you deal with. Uh, uh, with somebody you know that have passed some kind of a background or license uh, uh, protocol. Well, with that, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back um, for our fourth and final segment of the Safe Senior Hour. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome back to our final segment today on uh, the Safe Senior Hour. And remember, elder abuse does not report itself. And again, abuse is physical, financial, and institutional. And we're uh, very honored today to have a a representative of the National Aging in Place Council, uh, Doug Leader, who uh, is an owner of uh, Prosper Healthcare, but he's an advocacy advocacy chair for both the Georgia Gerontology Society and the Atlanta chapter of the National Aging in Place Council. And, Doug, we're, we're glad you're here, and you're really giving us some very important information and enlightening everyone on on the issues with home health care. Uh, 
Well, again, thank you for, for being on today. Well, I sure appreciate it. Thank you, Joe, and we appreciate you uh, continuing to get these messages out there to your listening audience. Again, education, education, education is the way to help prevent, the, not prevent abuse, but to report abuse, which will then help prevent it. Our, in, in our last segment right now, what I do want to go over is, is have you give us some ideas I'm I'm out there in a uh, in, in my home. I've got an aunt or my mother, and I've got to decide um, uh, who or how I should have somebody come at home and help take care of me, take care of her. And of course, I'm going to pay. And we already talked about there are some government programs that help pay for it if you're in the VA. And I think you said was it Medicaid and some other ones. And of course private, if you have uh, uh, long-term care insurance, some of those pay for it. But what what are some of your recommendations or things or uh, that we should look, that as citizens we should look at in, in trying to select a company to come, to have somebody come into our house? Certainly, yes. If, if the decision has been made to go through an agency versus, you know, hiring a, a, an individual privately, then, gosh, you know, utilize the, the power of the Internet because reviews are so valuable, uh, and you can go online and you can find out if a company does have good reviews. Gosh, let, you know, let's face it, there's reviews for just about every type of business out there today, so when you're considering bringing in a caregiver uh, into your home, I would most definitely check out their reviews. You can also uh, confirm that they're licensed and bonded and insured, those are all the things that offer the, the protection that, that I feel is so important uh, and, and what you get through an agency versus if you just hired a, a private individual. Well, okay, so I, I look out there and I see XYZ Company is a home health care provider. What happens then? I mean, how did just walk us through. There's a call or how does that, how does that take place and, and what are the things as consumers we should make sure that 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 this company that we call uh, they answer these questions or when they come to our house that they do these things before we select sure. them mm-hmm. sure when i get a call here at prosper home care and and of course a lot of people are finding us online at prosperhomecare.com they're going to the, the the good questions to ask uh again is making sure that you know exactly where this company is is licensed and regulated by. In in Georgia, they should have a license through the Georgia Department of Community Health. And I always ask uh, or advise people to ask about insurance because someone could say, oh, we have insurance. They may only have workers' comp. We actually carry commercial liability, personal liability, sexual abuse coverage, criminal bond coverage. You know, we we carry the whole gamut because we want the individuals to be protected. We want the caregiver to be protected. We want to be protected and and be able to focus on delivering the care. So definitely find out exactly what kind of insurance policies they have. Professional liability is especially important because if a caregiver accidentally does something that that results in in harm and, and large medical bills, that's the policy that's really going to kick in. That professional liability will cover those costs, which, which in many cases can get quite large. Uh, we're also a Georgia-certified drug-free workplace, so that's another very good question to mm. ask any that agency good. that you're calling. Are your employees drug-tested? Do you have a drug-testing program? 
Uh, do you do local criminal background checks in addition to a national criminal background check? Very important because a lot of the national criminal background checks are just a database search and it does not get updated as often as it should. So getting those local criminal uh, county checks is, is a very important thing to ask as well. Well, okay, so let's say, you know, I've called three or four companies, and now they're going to come out to the house. Ha- what happens? Um, I next. Mean, what hap- yeah, what happens next? <laughs> sure, sure. You know, uh, a lot of times we, uh, we will send the nurse out first to do the assessment that was mentioned in the last segment where an RN comes out and does a full assessment of of the individual who's going to be receiving the care, making sure we know all their medical diagnoses, we know all their medications, we know their challenges, we know the things that they need help with so we can best, you know, keep them safe and healthy and improve their quality of life. Uh, Okay, let me stop there. Is there an upfront cost for that, Doug? There is not. Uh, Some some hmm. companies may charge for that nurse assessment, but Prosper Home Care uh, does not. Wow, that's that's significant. Okay, I'm sorry. So you have the nurse that comes out. Mm-hmm, and, and find out all the details. But what I often tell people uh, is after I do all the things I do for, for pre-employment checks and training and nurse visits and certifications and all the things that need to be in place, after that's in place, I'm a matchmaker. It's time to put on my matchmaker hat and and try to find the caregiver that best suits that family because if that's not a good match, the home care we're providing is likely not going to work as well as it it should. So so we will send out uh, caregivers to interview with the clients and and make sure it's a good fit. And And there's no charge for those interviews as well. Wow. Wow. So they come back and then you have the report from the nurse. You have the uh, the the caregiver. Um, I won't say audition. That's not the proper word. But the the interviews. Uh, what happens next? I mean, now it's time for scheduling. You know, we ask every family uh, this question, and, and sometimes it's not one hundred percent clear. Is what is your best gut guess as to what days and what hours you need? Uh, Most companies have a a minimum number of hours. We have a four-hour minimum. Uh, We do we do try to fulfill shifts shorter than that, but we four-hour a day minimum or four-hour a week, four-hour a day. At least a four-hour shift. Okay. One four-hour shift, a continuous shift. Okay. Uh, In in special cases, we try to fill shorter shifts. Uh, we do have to charge a bit more money to pay the caregivers more money because, as you can imagine, especially sure. today with, with uh, the number of caregivers that are needed, it's hard to fill the shorter shifts. Um, but once once a, a client says, hey, I think three times a week and, and mom and dad need a little help with breakfast and getting up and making sure they have lunch, so, you know, how about 8 a.m. to 12 or, or 10 a.m. to 2? Um, and, and once they've told us what schedule they think is going to work best, we, we start sending the caregiver. But if we learn that, hey, it really needs to be a little bit later because they don't tend to get up at that time, then we adjust it. So we, we will tweak the days, we'll tweak the hours, well, and in some cases we need to tweak the caregiver. You know, if, 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 uh, if we hear some feedback and provide some constructional criticism and additional training to the caregiver to try to get that caregiver and client relationship where it needs to be, and it works great, but if it doesn't seem to work, then we're gonna we're gonna find other caregivers to send until we find that match that we're looking for. Right. This, this is not uh, to me. This sounds like you're 
clearly that you've come in and this is a team and the family and you all are part of the team to help care for the loved ones. You're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. it, it's, you're not coming in dictating them what to do. They're, they're, they're advising you what they think will work best for, the, for, the, for, the, for their loved one who needs the care, and that's what you'll try to work out. And I, and I think that's what I gotta gather what you just said is a, uh, is a very, very uh, important aspect of it. It's not like somebody's just walking in and taking over because all this has taken place before any contract signed or anything, right? Correct. When the when the nurse assessment takes place, that is that is uh, when when paperwork gets signed. Okay. Um, but there's there's no long term uh, contractual agreement. So although there's there's quite a stack of paperwork that's required by the Georgia Department of Community Health, none of it locks uh, a client in to use us any longer than they need to. What is the so minimum? What is the minimum time period of your, of your? Uh, in your industry, I don't, not necessarily yours, that you find that somebody comes into a home, they select your company, what's the minimum? Is it a six months, six week, 30 day? How long is the contract? There is no, there are no term lengths. Wow. You could, you can, you could cancel after your first shift. Of course, that's, that's, uh, that's not going to make any money for a home care provider if that happens, so we strive to, to make sure we're doing a good job, and, and we hope for long-term relationships if that's the best thing for for the the individual and the family and the loved ones involved but there's nothing in any of our paperwork and for the and for most agencies uh they don't have term lengths so right that's that's a very flexible part of this home care industry well i think so so now that they're there and now they're coming uh, you know three times a week what kind of uh quality review do, do you all do or does the industry should do on the uh, uh, on the service you're providing? Certainly, uh, the Georgia Department of Community Health again has regulations that require supervisory visits, uh, and for for the higher need individuals, uh, there's a required nurse supervision visit to happen at least every 60 days uh, for clients that are are less in need of, of care, ones that are, are healthier, have less challenges, uh, the supervisory visit may not need to happen except for every 90 or 120 days. However, one thing that we found at Prosper through my years of providing both privately uh, paid for services and Medicaid, uh, Medicaid requires visits every 60 days no matter what, and we've kind of adopted that standard. So for all of our clients, we, we go out a minimum right. of every 60 days. And if there's a hospitalization, we send a nurse back out. If there's if there's a, a, a fall or a change in diagnosis, anything significant uh, can also trigger a supervisory well, visit. Well, I, I really need to stay on top. Yes, I do. I, I, I appreciate you. It certainly enlightened me, and I hope it enlight, enlightened our listeners throughout the United States and the world about the advantages of um, uh, aging in place. That that you as as a representative of the council and what your company does. And and I can't thank you enough what you do. So with that, I've got to remind everybody, we want to thank you, Doug, for being here, and remind everybody elder abuse does not report itself. And uh, with that, that'll be the end of today's session of the Safe Senior Hour with Joe Gavallis. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.